0: All right, thank you so much for tuning in to Forward Thinking Founders. This is the podcast where we highlight undiscovered talent. We're scanning Y Combinator, Pioneer, Product Hunt, Twitter, Indie Hackers, all these different networks to find really interesting founders and interesting projects and startups. And we feature them on the podcast before you've probably heard of any of them. And what's great about this is you get to follow along on their journey as they become more and more successful and say, I knew them when. So thank you so much for tuning in to Forward Thinking Founders, and let's get into our next founder you haven't heard of, but you will. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we're talking to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today I'm very excited to have on the show Clay Jones, who is the co-founder, the creator of Flutter. Clay, welcome to the show. How's it going?
1: Thanks, Matt. How's it going? Doing very well.
0: Good, good. I'm glad it's going well. I'm doing pretty well too. I had my afternoon coffee a couple of hours ago, and I am feeling fantastic. Also fantastic because we're talking, and I think you have a really interesting uh, product here, and I'm looking forward to diving in. For people that don't know what you're working on, can you talk about what What is Flutter and, and what does it do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I like to describe Flutter as a live dating app experience. Uh, and the u- the unique twist that we have on kind of the dating apps is that we are actually only live once a week. Um, so the app is only works on Sunday. And at the end of Sunday, all matches and messages disappear forever.
0: That's awesome. So let's go through a um I guess an example use case, not a use case, but like a, a story that someone would go through. So let's say I was wanted to use the app. I don't because I'm, I'm in that great relationship, but just for the purpose <laughs> of this podcast. So I would sign up and well, yeah, can you just walk me through if I signed up on like a Tuesday, can you walk me through the flow and then what happens on Sunday?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um you can sign up anytime during the week. Uh it's pretty standard onboarding process, similar to most other dating apps. You're gonna have you know, your six photos, you're gonna add the uh, three prompt responses, uh, which are pretty much just answers to questions, uh, your traditional like school, hometown, company, job title, um, all that, and then you'll actually be put into a waitlist where all profiles are then reviewed. Uh, this is just to ensure that we don't have any spam accounts, that we don't have any fraudulent or um, inappropriate content being put onto the platform. Uh, and then once your profile is accepted, you're put into kind of that dating pool. Um, now, that dating pool doesn't open up until Sunday. And so the rest of the week, the app is pretty much closed off. Now, once uh, once we hit Sunday at 5 p.m., everyone that has claimed their spot to participate for that Sunday will then be put into a dating pool. They'll be shown anywhere from 30 to 40 uh, profiles that we find to be most compatible to them, they then get to choose which ones they're interested in, send likes to those profiles, and then around 6 p.m. So from 5 to 6 is when you're viewing profiles, and then at 6 p.m. we announce uh, who your matches are. So prior to that, you actually don't know who you've matched with, and so this is to allow you to focus on the people that are liking you and and focus on uh, you know determining which people that you'd like to. Um, To chat with that evening. Then at 6 p.m., everyone comes back onto the app for one coordinated conversation, right? And at the end of midnight, so from 6 to midnight, uh, people are chatting, and at midnight, everything erases forever, right?
0: So this is really interesting. It sounds, everything about the app sounds very intentional. I'd love to hear what gave you the idea or the motivation to have it all kind of be in real time? I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it, but like you have an event yeah. at five and you have an event at six and six to 12 is like kind of the time. And then it stops at 12. Why did you do it like that? I guess, how'd you make some of those product decisions?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I can kind of go over, uh, you know, the, the high level of why we are doing this event style dating. Uh, and then I can tap into, <clears throat> excuse me, I can tap into you know, why we picked the specific times that we did being five to six and six to six to midnight. Um, so kind of the the inspiration behind Flutter was, you know I, I actually went into college and I had a you know starting first day of college, I was in a relationship, and we broke up right after graduation. Uh, and so throughout my entire college career, I, I'd never been on dating apps, didn't really know how they worked, uh, and then I'd had of been thrust back into the the dating world I moved to uh, San Francisco Uh, I was single and really the uh, the next logical step of what all my friends had been doing uh, was using dating apps now kind of the uh, what I discovered as I started you know I filled out all my profiles and um, and you know started matching with different people but I was you know I had this feeling that people were seemingly disinterested in me. Uh, I would message these different women, and um, sometimes it would take days, uh, weeks to get responses from people. There was this the, the the typical line of "Sorry, I'm I'm never on this app," um, or you know, "Sorry, I, I rarely use this." Uh, and most of these conversations were just kind of fizzling out and dying. And uh, it was. It, it it gave me this this perception that the people that I was dating uh weren't really interested in me, uh, and it was you know it's kind of a self confidence hit with when these people that you're trying to date with are are not listening. It's almost like if you went out a date uh went out on a date, you sat down for dinner uh, and you're talking to this person and they're just on their phone the whole time not paying attention. That's kind of the analogy I like to use of just like not really being present there, and so you know i i you know flat Flash forward a couple months, um, I actually DM someone on Instagram <laughs> that, I was, uh, that I found attractive and she responded right away and we, we uh, exchanged phone numbers pretty quickly and we went on a date and now she's been my girlfriend for almost two years now. And so <clears throat> at that point, it, I kind of realized that there was a, you know, that this online dating experience could be something uh, that was real. Uh, and that could be something that would work, right? I had actually found someone uh, that, I, that I deeply cared for from the internet. Um, and so that kind of got me to thinking, you know, why, were, why was my dating app experience, these apps that were designed to help me meet someone, why, why were they failing? And I, didn't, I wasn't able to go on one date from any of these dating apps. And so I started doing some research online. I started getting curious of like, okay, what was I doing wrong? Um, and all the, the top responses were well you got to get their phone number right away people are just unresponsive on dating apps people are unresponsive people are ghosting um you know these conversations are long and drawn out and no one everyone had kind of attributed this uh unresponsiveness to disinterest at least when i had started using dating apps but i never really thought hey you know what people actually just aren't on dating apps 24 7. You know, people are on these different dating apps a couple hours across the month. And so the likelihood that you guys are on at the same time is really low. And so me interpreting that as as disinterest, you know, was was kind of wrong, right? It was really just the fact that these people weren't on dating apps 24-7, just like I wasn't on dating apps 24-7. And so kind of the idea behind having, you know, a coordinated time is to bring people on the app at the same time, right? To have kind of that responsiveness and that presence. And then we picked Sunday cause Sunday is the biggest dating app usage day of the week. Right. Um, we did some research to, to unveil that. Uh, and then, you know, we've been toggling with the time windows, right. Um, so it actually used to be open all day, but the idea is that we want to continue to kind of shrink those windows, uh, to, you know, make that, make those interactions even more coordinated because the more coordinated the experience, the more live and the more present that it feels. And so, we're, we're increasingly trying to, to crunch that window, if you will.
0: So let's, so right now the window for chat is six to 12. So a if I was a user, um, let's say I liked 30 matches that you sent me and then say like 20, like 10 of them liked me back. So it's like 10 matches. And then from, from six to 12, am I now chatting with those 10 people just getting to know them, them getting to know me and then, by the end, is it pretty much like give your give someone a phone number, or you're it's it's done? You know, for is that is that kind of the UX yeah. that you that you're created?
1: Yeah. So one of the biggest KPIs, or you know, one of the biggest KPIs in in the dating app space is phone number exchanges, right? That's the biggest signal. Is that really?
0: Is that really a thing? Uh, wow, it, interesting. It, it
1: is. Yeah. I mean, you know, the the idea of a dating app is like let's get you off the the dating app is really designed to be the icebreaker. And it's to get you to a more responsive form of communication, uh, whether that be Snapchat or Instagram or or phone number. We just want you to get on a more responsive platform. Uh, it's very rare that you'll see someone go straight from the dating app to the date. They're always going to exchange some sort of of information beforehand. And so, uh, you know, our our goal is to get those conversations to to then convert into that phone number exchange. And so that's kind of one of those those main uh, KPIs that we're always tracking is like, how can we help these, you know, what, what is the environment that's going to help convert these conversations into that phone number exchange ultimately. Right. So the goal is in that six to midnight window, we want you to, you know, have a responsive conversation, um, you know, see whether you'd be interested in that person And, and six hours, trust me, six hours doesn't seem like a lot, but it's plenty of time when you're having a real engaged back and forth conversation. To get to know to to get to know each other um, at a high level, and decide whether you want to to exchange phone numbers, right? And then from the phone number, you can decide whether you want to you know take progress to to go on that date or schedule a date that week, right?
0: So I have a pretty nerdy question, a very like techy thing to ask. So for I'm actually amazed by this tracking metrics of by exchanging phone numbers. It it makes sense, like, it, like I totally understand why, but I'm kind of curious. Do you have like a um, an algorithm or an event checker that like when something that resembles a phone number is sent, you just check that off? Or how do you actually track that? Just because like the nerd in me wants to is just curious.
1: Right, 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 right. So, so actually, um, funny enough, Apple has a uh, in in their uh, in Swift you can actually track when uh, a text string recognizes a phone number. And so when that phone number is then recognized by the Apple system, we use that kind of as a proxy that a phone number is being sent. Um, And so anytime we see a phone number show up in a a conversation, you know, that event is then triggered to, to then um, say, okay, here a phone number was exchanged. Um, And then sometimes we'll use at symbols as well uh, as kind of like a a proxy as to whether like uh, Instagram is being exchanged. Um, But that's slightly less accurate, but, but, you know, good enough. Um, but really the KPI we look at is, is that phone number exchange. So that's, that's how we, uh, how we do it.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. How has customer, I guess, user acquisition been, I feel like this is one of these things where someone hears about it and they're like, well, crap, like, that's interesting. I could, I could give up a night, night, like one night this Sunday to try it out. Um, actually, I guess instead of asking how's your customer acquisition, I'm curious, like, what is your messaging to people to get them on the app? Is it like, what are you doing this Sunday? Or I don't know, like, I'd love to hear how you're getting users right now.
1: Right, absolutely. So um, there's definitely, you know, messaging, marketing messaging that we're using to try to attract kind of those early adopters. But, you know, in reality, actually, to build a, a real dating app community, uh, you have to have word of mouth growth. And the reason that people are going to download dating apps is because their friend went on a date from a particular dating app, or their friend met someone on a particular dating app, and that that's really the greatest form of marketing. And so what's kind of worked to our advantage is because our app does have that very high conversion rate, getting people to those phone numbers. It actually helps people uh, have something to talk about. Uh, you know, I was reading a, a book con- uh, called *Contagious* by Jonah Berger, and he really talks about how Um, you know, we assume most digital word, or we we assume most word of mouth happens digitally. But when in reality, 93% of word of mouth still happens in person. And so it's really giving people, you know, what what Jonah calls is uh, social currency, right, which is, you know, I match with this person, um, I am going on a date with this person, that that's something that they see provides value to conversation. And guess what, I did it on this really cool platform. And so that's Kind of the greatest form of marketing you know I, I I'd like to say that kind of the product does most of the marketing itself by just kind of providing that experience. but then there are other growth hacky ways that were that we're trying to get some of those early adopters and um, you know there's there's kind of a slew of different um, things that we'll try uh, to to kind of onboard users in funny ways there, my co-founder and I were uh, in the very early days handing out flowers to people in one of the neighborhoods in San Francisco with, with little digital QR codes on them and um, you know, telling people to have a, have a nice day and, and try try Flutter. And that actually worked pretty well. But um, a bunch of different random customer acquisition tactics at this point.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That's definitely a cool mindset and one I like a lot in a world where there's growth hackers and nothing wrong with them. I'm technically a growth hacker in my job. Like I do growth for Prenda, but you know, when you're, when you're really early stage, um, I do think that, that just spending the resources you would have spent on a growth team, just put it into product and make the product that much better um, does really lend um, more marketing power. And it's actually how I'm kind of treating the podcast. And like, I feel like a lot of people like, you know, as much promotion as the podcast as they can, like, I don't promote shit. I just like try to get the best guests that I can get on. And over time, as people see like, "Oh wow, like these guests are actually legit and you know and and they're they're getting better, I'm hoping that the same thing happens with the podcast so i we're all, we're like on on that front hundred percent. I'd love to hear how how do you think about the future with with this with this platform? There's a lot of really interesting things I'm just thinking about within an, an event based model um I don't know how are you thinking about? you know future products um you know and uh just expansion into different stuff
1: right yeah no, that's a great question um you know i get that that question asked a lot and and i think it has a lot to do with how we perceive the future of dating um as a whole uh there's a lot of studies you know a study came out from a stanford professor talking about how you know 40% of people now 40% of relationships starting today Are coming from online, right? And so there's this major trend shift towards uh, actually meeting people online. And I think with that, there's this old stigma about dating online that is now subsiding, and people are actually finding these dating apps as less of just the dopamine boosters of like, oh, let me find out who likes me, but more of like, this is a place I can go find a real relationship. This is a place I can I can meet someone. And I think you know, the future of dating, I think that there is a future where digital becomes that first interaction for most relationships, right? It used to kind of be the bar or or meeting through friends where you would interact with someone, you'd exchange pleasantries, get to know them for, for a bit of time, and then you would, you know, exchange phone numbers and then plan a first date, right? I think that that is really shifting digitally and that's shifting into the dating apps, but in order to actually make that interaction successful in a healthy manner is to have people showing interest in one another. You know, I think one of the the biggest thing that plagues the dating app space, uh, you know, as I kind of alluded to before, is this this difference between dispositional bias and situational bias. Um, As humans, we always use situational bias to say, you know, I'm not responding to people quickly because I am super busy, but they're not responding to me. They'll attribute dispositional bias to the other person in every situation and say, they're not responding to me because they don't like me. Right. And so I think being able to bring this presence back into digital dating can actually help us solve that first interaction with people um, when they're, you know, having that first interaction on a romantic level. And so I do think that there is a future where, you know, we introduce. Video chat date or avatar chat date, and I think a lot of people are you know starting to move in that direction. Bumble just released uh, video chat the league uh, came out with League Live and um, you know I think that's definitely trending in the right direction, but I think to get there ultimately we have to fix this coordinated usage piece first we got to fix this this presence that's lacking in the dating app space right now um, and so I think that there is a future where Dating apps do become that first interaction, but it has to be done in a way that has that presence, if you will, right?
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, one more question and also ask the final couple. Uh, have you talked to many um, VCs about this or investors? And if so, how have, like, I feel like, in inherently, VCs like don't like dating apps because so many haven't worked out. But I do feel like this is the the, the product decisions that you made are like really unique um, and change the dynamic a lot. Have you had trouble talking to VCs about this, or have they gotten it, or are you just bootstrapped? Like, I'm curious, are are they getting it if you're talking to them about it?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really great question. So uh, it's it's funny, I. I In the beginning of starting this um, that was the biggest piece of advice was don't start a dating app because no one's going to fund you uh, and it's going to be very difficult for you to raise money Um, and you know I think initially in some of these conversations uh, people were would put us off and they would say you know this is just another dating app we don't invest in dating apps anymore so many people have gotten burned and I think that that there's this misconception um, you know between uh, dating apps and what they used to be and, and dating apps now. I think uh, in the very early stages, dating apps were matchmaking services. So you had Tinder that created this whole swiping functionality. Uh, you had these apps that were coming out with very niche uh, markets where, you know, something like JDate or Christian Mingle or black people meet where you'd have these, these communities of people uh, that would help you matchmake. And that was really all that these apps were for. They would put you into this chat period. But uh, it was really focused on the matchmaking, p- finding you the right person. And it wasn't until apps like Bumble came along that they said, you know what, the conversation, people actually aren't even making it to that conversation piece. Let's let's stop focusing so much on the matchmaking portion, actually focus on the dating portion of these apps. And so there's this trend shift kind of away from these matchmaking services uh, like Christian Mingle and, and JDate and more towards these dating services like like Bumble and like Hinge, right? That are really focused on past just the matchmaking. It's focused on actually helping you down the funnel, right? And so I think, you know, when we start talking about this this trend shift and why you're seeing these new dating apps having success, even though Tinder already exists, you know, why is an app like Bumble able to come to market? Why is an app like Hinge able to come to market? And it's really understanding that there's this, this funnel, right? And, and there's this last bit of the funnel, which is that conversation uh, that's just not being addressed and it's still kind of broken. And if, if they can kind of understand that and, and believe that there's this trend towards these more serious dating apps and, and we're fixing that last piece, which is the conversation, they're a lot more, uh, you know, they're a lot more open to it, right? They start to think, okay, this is something unique enough. You know, in the, the private equity space, there's been a lot of action in the private equity space with dating apps recently, um, with the Bumble acquisition or Magic Labs acquisition uh, back in November, October. Um, then there was uh, Meet Group was acquired. Then we had Grinder that was just recently acquired. So there's a lot that's happening in the, the private equity space as well. And so I think, you know, it's definitely starting to come back into conversation. Um, and people are, are now starting to be a lot more open to kind of the the this new dating app movement that's happening right now.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I'm I'm really excited to see how this grows and really what will come from it. I have a feeling that the your the format that you've you know you've pioneered, which is you know this event based dating, will spawn products that you can't you can't even think of yet because like what the the actions of people on the app they're gonna do they're gonna get you know so many things could happen which is exciting. I think it's a cool format. Um, and my, um, my last question for you, um, before we hop off is, you know, you're, you're doing what many would deem the impossible, which is trying to build a, a dating app. I think you can do it and all our listeners that you can do it too. So my question <laughs> for you is how can the forward thinking founders community help you? Do you have an ask for the community? If there's something you're, you need help with, how can we help? Um, feel free to make it ask if you want, one, want to.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um, I'm very focused on product, right? And and really making sure that we're building the best product experience. Uh, and, and there's a lot that comes to this business that you, you realize when you're starting a company um, that, that's beyond just the product you're building. Uh, and I think one of the biggest learnings I've had uh, through this whole experience is the importance of relationships uh, and the importance of having support systems of people that you can turn to. Um, in situations where you may not know where a certain path leads, uh, and there's a lot of people with breadth, with with very wide experiences um, that have gone through kind of these similar uh, experiences and and seen kind of similar things that that I'm going to experience in the near future. And so I think you know that connectedness and being able to really connect with other founders uh, that are you know in your similar stage or or in a future stage is is really important. Um, and so you know I I would absolutely. Uh, love to kind of get connected and and you know talk with some of the other founders that are maybe consumer focused and 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 really hear what they have to say or or at least just start kind of building out some of those um connections. I think that that uh, is something that you guys have that's very valuable um, is kind of this network of of founders um, that that are doing all sorts of different businesses and so that would that would probably be my one um, my one ask
0: yeah absolutely at some point i'm gonna like not, I'm not going to say super soon, but at some point I'm going to like do something with the fact that I've interviewed now, like over 130 awesome founders doing different stuff. And I don't know, like, I, I don't, I, I don't know what kind of community I want to do or something like that, but I will actually codify what you just said, but in the short term, I'll definitely connect you with some people that I think, uh, I think would be good connections. So happy, happy to help there and just uh best of luck, you know, moving forward with this and, um, just good luck. I think it's an awesome product. I, I think, you know, you're a cool founder and I think the sky's the limit for you. So thanks again for coming on and I hope you I hope you have the m- m- as much success as you possibly can moving forward.
1: Thank you. And thanks again for having me on the podcast, Matt. Really appreciate it.
0: Okay. Thank you everyone for tuning into that episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. And luckily there's another one coming up real soon. But before then I have a couple things to tell you. first, If you're listening to this, and you think you're working on something cool, or you think you're smart, hit me up on Twitter. I am at Matt underscore Sherman. And that is Matt with one T. So hit me up, shoot me a DM. And I'm happy to check out what you're working on. And maybe we can get you on the pod. But at the very least, I'm happy to give you feedback on your product or project or startup. Lastly, if you can please rate this podcast in the itunes store that would be awesome i'm trying to get up in the rankings so more people can discover these awesome founders and the only way to do that or one of the ways to do that is growing with ranking so if you like what you're listening to please just go onto the itunes store give it five stars or four you know or three i'm not going to tell you what to give but just tell whatever i deserve you should rate that with that i'm signing off
1: see you next time Bye.